0: Almighty God, we are desperate for your presence. Desperate for your spirit to move in our lives. Speak to our hearts, O Lord. Your servants, Lord, surrender to you. May we worship you, Lord. May you be pleased with it. Meditations, Lord, of our hearts and the words of our mouth. Cleanse us and forgive us of all unrighteousness. We draw nigh to you that we might know you, that we might worship you, that we might serve you. We prepare our hearts for your word. May it minister to us. May we see the fruit in our lives. May we glorify your holy name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Those who may have your electronic devices, you can join us in the Version Bible app. You'll see our text right there, dealing with the hope of our calling. Those who don't have the Version, if you have your Bibles, you can open right there to Ephesians first chapter, looking at verses fifteen to twenty-three. But to read and again in our hearing, looking at that verse eighteen, we're kind to tie all things together on this text. Reading from the New Living Translation. Thank you for those who are able to stand in honor and reading of God's Word. It says Ephesians first chapter, that eighteenth verse, New Living Translation reads This way, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light, so that you can understand the confident hope that has given to those He called, His holy people, who are His rich and glorious inheritance. Praise God for his words. You may be seated. Going to deal with the subject matter of the hope of our calling. I want to deal with this morning that we might know that by our faith, our hope in God, we are blessed in this great salvation and in his power. We last Sunday, we talked about the hope of the gospel. And knowing that we have this great gospel that gives us this great hope, it gives us a purpose for our lives. Has anyone truly, truly been to the time that when you woke up in the morning and you felt like you had no hope? It's a sad thing when someone feels that way when they wake up. They're feeling, why why should I live on or what should I do for the rest of this day? But some of us, since we have known Christ for so much of our lives, we're trying to maybe remind or reflect and say, I don't remember having such a day. Because when you know Christ, you wake up with expectancy. You wake up feeling good. You wake up thinking that things are going to get better because you serve our God who is in control. And from that area, from that point, that's how Paul can write that I pray that the eyes of your heart are enlightened or flooded with light, knowing the hope of your calling. Oh, it's good news to know that you have purpose in your life. Think about what it means to know God. When you look at this text and looking at at verses 15 to verses 23, it points out to us that we serve a God of wisdom. And this God of wisdom gives us wisdom. Isn't that good news? That our God, who knows everything, wants us to know him, and he has revealed himself to us through his word and his word. Y'all catch that. Because if you don't know what I'm saying, if you go back to the gospel of John, in the beginning was the word. And the word was God, and the word was with God. You go later on saying the word became flesh. Uh, They're talking about Jesus. He is the word. And then God has given us Our word, hallelujah, that we ought to have hidden within our heart that we might not sin against him. And so because of this great word and this great wisdom that he gives us, it's able to enlighten us. Look at this prayer. He says, I pray that the, your hearts may be enlightened. And, uh, he's saying that the eyes of a heart, for us, we know, use the word heart. We might say, may your mind, or may you understand. But what he's pointing out here, whatever term we might use in our vocabulary, or what he's using in that vocabulary, the point is clear. The point is that, that you might know God and the hope of his calling. When it talks about hearing the eyes, and some of us are familiar with the eye, that many times we look on the dollar bill and you see that eye above the pyramid. they all all seeing eye. They understand that this eye is a sign of knowledge. That's where you get the word Illuminati. Watch out, somebody. And they're dealing with enlightenment. But you understand that same word is used right here in this text. May your eyes be illuminated. May they be enlightened. May they be filled up with knowledge and wisdom. Cast this, not of the world, not of how you can get money, not how you can get resources, but that you might know the hope of his calling. You understand how even society understands what eyes mean. Eyes mean a, as an object of an order that we might see, but also in a metaphorical sense of enlightenment. Some people throw that word out, my third eye, meaning that I might have even more intellect or more sense. But here Paul is praying that we might have a spiritual understanding and enlightenment of who God is and the hope of his call. Am I talking to somebody here? Y'all can say amen if I am preaching to you right now. If not, I'll spend here a little bit longer on this moment. Make sure so you understand that he wants you to know God. And, and the hope of this calling, think about the gospel message, that God made us that we might know him and that he might have us. Oh, glory. And think about this, that somebody wants to know you, how, how it is that somebody knows you. Think about how we don't know people, but we get excited when they wave at us. I remember somebody told me that President Obama waved at them. I said, thank you. I'm glad you, I'm glad you but he waved at you. He was looking right in my direction, and he waved at me when he came to Peoria. You know, we get excited when somebody waves at us, and they don't even know us. But God knows us, and he cares about us. You see, it's, it's a beautiful thing when somebody actually knows you. And since he knows us, Cassius, he even wants us to know him. The word involves here the light, which reflects knowledge and brilliance and the salvation. And, and we, like, we, like, we like this thing about this light, this thing about salvation. That's why we like Psalm 27. The Lord is my. Psalm 27. Y'all know Psalm 27. The Lord is my light. And my salvation. Psalm 23 says the Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 27 said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. I'm glad y'all up. All right. And now look again about this light, about this illumination, that knowing that he's my light, he is my salvation. The psalm is emphasizing that he represents salvation. Light represents salvation. Don't we feel safe in the light? And so this lightning, this illumination, this hope of this calling also suggests to us that when we know the hope of our salvation, we know the hope of liberty. We know the hope of comfort. We know the hope of peace. Again, let me define to us hope in this terminology in the Bible. Hope is not a wish. Hope is not a whim. Hope is not a probability. But hope is, a, is in a confidence expectation of God to do what only he can do. This same word hope can also be translated into that great verse we like re- we like to recite. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You understand when they say they that wait, they also saying they that hope, which means this, that I expect God to renew me. I expect God to strengthen me. I expect God to be all in all so when we have this hope of this calling, we understand that we have this light. And this light is the light of the world who takes away the sins of the world. This hope of this calling is through our blessed salvation, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What I want us to grab here again, that when we have this hope of our calling, this calling we now need to define. We understand the hope. Now let's understand the calling. The calling is to salvation. The calling is to salvation. Think about how we use terminology, how people can call us any kind of name, but don't call me what? Late to eat. We, 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 we want to make sure we get the meal. You can call me whatever to go, but don't call me late to eat. We, we understand calling, of calling something to receive something. God has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Y'all see the word light again. And he's called us out of sin, darkness, into light, salvation. The hope of his calling. And, and knowing this, knowing this, don't know that our Father loves us and he called us into the hope of his calling. Look what Paul speaks to this, this great blessing that we have in our salvation. To know, to know this great hope, to know this great thing. It, it points out to us that he's poured out his grace upon us. Look at verse 6 when Paul gets aside and he's praying to them and he feeds the first. Child. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. Y'all see that? That he's poured out his grace on us who belong to his dear son. And, and we belong to his dear son because we, re, we respond to the call of his salvation. You understand that Jesus came that we might be saved. We, he came that we might know him and that he, will be, that he will call us to be his saints. Y'all see that in verse 18. I pray that the hearts will be flooded with your life so you can understand the confident hope that he's given to those he called. Now he gives a modifier. Who has he called? Yeah, I'm glad to say his people, but there's an adjective there. His holy people, not just any people. His holy people. You know, to be holy means to be set apart, to be, sa- to be sacred, to be sanctified. And the only way we are set apart, we are, we are holy, we are sanctified, is by the blood. Can somebody say the blood? blood. Of Jesus And since the blood of Jesus has washed us and cleansed us, that has made us holy. Well, I want somebody to understand here, because you can help me preach that to your neighbor. Let them know you can't be holy by yourself. There's some people that think that if I do good enough, I talk good enough, I read my Bible enough, that makes me holy. We need to let them know that you can't work holy. You, you can work to get paid, you can work to get other things, but you cannot work to become holy. Holy is something that has, God has called us and has given us all by the work of Jesus. I'm hurting somebody's feeling because they're thinking they're holy right now because how well they serve the church. That's great that you think so, but I want you to know that you're wrong. If you don't, if you need some assistance because you say, well, that's just the passage just talking. Go, continue looking at Ephesians. Go down to the second chapter. Go down to verse 8. It says, by grace, you have been saved through faith, uh, not by words, so that no one can boast. So when somebody starts boasting how good they are of a saint, they're lying. Our boast is in the Lord. Our boast is that he has called us. He has saved us. And so when we understand the hope of his calling, that we are his holy people. And look, look, not only does he talk, call us his holy people set apart for good things. Tell your neighbor, you ought to live holy. That we look at this text that says this, that not only are his holy people, we are his rich and glorious inheritance. Oh, glory. Mm. One thing where we know the hope of our calling, we know our identity. Think of what it means to know who you are. Think what it means to know where you come from. Think to what it means to know your identity. It makes up who you are. Think about this, for example. Like when we talk about people in our identity, we ask them, we ask them, you know, where do you work? And then sometimes we go further in the conversation, right? We say, who are your people? Who are you related to? And this is all identifying who you are. And some of us, some of us don't like people to know our family because we might be ashamed of our family. So we don't get into that information. Watch this. We might be ashamed of our work. We don't tell people what we do for a living because we're ashamed. But it makes up who we are. But look how we are described here. We are his holy people. Watch out. And we are his glorious, rich inheritance. Now, if you look and thinking like me, how am I God's inheritance, right? Let's think about that. What is an inheritance? An inheritance is something that is passed on to somebody after death. So how are we God's inheritance? <laughs> well, let's look, let's look again. We are as holy people. How have we been made holy? By the what? Blood of Jesus. So somebody did die. Mm, mm, mm. You go on and says we were purchased by his blood. His blood was poured for the remission of sins. And so by his death, God is able to claim his people. We are his inheritance. He is is making us co-heirs with Jesus who died on the cross for our sins, that now we are, are able to inherit the kingdom of God. This is put into effect by the death of Jesus. But we do know that he did not stay buried in the grave, that he did rise with our power in his hand. We're going to get to that moment, but I want us to grant here that we have become his glorious, riches, inheritance, his holy people, all by the work of Jesus. And look what he just wants us to know. Think about when you know something, how you better can take care of it. You can better use it. Think about how when we give children's toys, They'd rather play with the box than with the toy. You try to show them how the toy works. They try to show you how the box works. I can get in the box. I can push the box. I can draw on the box. I can sit on the box. The toy, not interested, but the box, very interested. And you're like, if this child would only know what this toy can do. Or you give that child that one year, you give them that $1 bill, go straight into the mouth. Dollar look good. I put it in my mouth. I put everything else in my mouth. i don't put the dollar in my mouth. No, dollar's not for your mouth. Dollar's for the store, for you put in your piggy bank, for you to save and add up. But like, I don't know what this is for. Well, we don't know what something is. We don't properly use it. We abuse it. We misuse it. God wants us to know what we have in him. When we know who he is, we know how to revere him. We know how to respect him. We know how to honor him. But we, we act like we don't know watch out somebody. We start walking around. We start treating God like a genie. We call on him when we want him. We call him when we need something. But yet you understand that we are his. He is not ours. What I want us to grab is this: that we were made to serve him, not him to serve us. We get caught up that we think God ought to do things for us just because of who we are. But we ought to worship him because of who he is. He is holy. He is magnificent. He is glorious. We are wretches undone. But by his grace and his mercy. So when we put it in proper perspective of knowing the hope of our call, we start realizing that I am not as good as I think I am. But by the grace of God, I am that I am. And by his grace, we are the riches of his. We are his inheritance. We are his glory. His, in, his, his inheritance means this that he is, his, an inheritance is defined as this as given to an heir, and therefore saints are seen as his heirs to the kingdom. An, an inheritance is also seen as a gift without purchase. Our inheritance is a gift that was purchased by the blood of the Lamb. It is transferred. An inheritance is transferred after. Death, we have become his, in- his inheritance after Christ's death. You see how everything we have is based on Christ because he's the hope of our calling. And so, think about this what it means to be God's possessors. If we are God's possessors, think about this. Jesus in Matthew 5, verse 48 tells us that therefore you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Another way to look at it is basically when he says this word perfect, we may, we may make this word perfect more extreme than what it needs to be, but what he's basically saying that you ought to be mature, you should be grown up, you should be doing big boy things now, big girl things now. Need some more evidence? Look in 1 Corinthians 13 chapter. At the end, we, we read the first part about love, but sometimes we forget the latter part where he says, when I was a child. I did things as a child. I spoke as a child, reasoned as a child. But when I became a man, I put all childish things. What he's pointing out, that when I grew in love, I understood what it meant to serve the Lord. We need to understand the hope of our calling and realize that we must grow. We must mature. We must continue to stretch and be all that he's called us to be. As we know that when something is not growing, it's dying. Are you dying or are you growing? Because if we're growing, then we're drawing closer to him, drawing nigh to him. And as we're drawing nigh to him, we start realizing our identity in him, that we are his glorious inheritance. Think about what it means to be his inheritance again I, and the riches of this. That In Genesis, we find out that God made the heavens and the earth and he gave it to man. This earth he gave to us to watch over and to take care of. But we know sin came in and messed up. Adam and Eve messed it up. And because of that, we have death, we have pain, we have trouble in all this earth. But yet in Revelation, he points out that, he, Behold, I see a new heaven. And I see a new Jerusalem coming down. You understand that? And, it's, and, and watch what it says there. It says this, that God says, You will be my people. And I will be your God. Why is that? Because he wants us to be his inheritance. Think about this, that we are his trophies. We are precious in his sight. He loves us so much that he wants us to be with him for how long? Forever and ever. Think about how we love people here on earth, but we need time away from them. I just need to take a walk. I'll be back. But yet God says, I want you around me forever. I heard someone say like this, that as long as you got two TVs in the house, you can keep a happy marriage. Basically pointing out that as long as they can watch what they want to watch. Do what they want to do. They'll be okay. It's pointing out that oftentimes as earthly people, as social as we are, we sometimes need separate space from each other. But God is saying, I love you so much. I want you to be forever in my presence and I will forever be with you. See, that's love at a whole nother level. See, our love is limited. God is unlimited. I love you so much. I want to be around you through the good and through the bad. That's why he sent his son to die for us because he died for us when we were bad. Hello. The hope of our calling shows us that we are better than we thought we were. The hope of our calling shows us that we are his holy people. We are a royal priesthood, his chosen generation. Showing again that God has chosen us and called us out of darkness into his mother's life that we might live a holy life. You know how to live a holy life. We've got to trust him. Lean on his word. Not going on flesh or desires. Not going by the lust, but trusting his word. Knowing what it means to forgive. Knowing what it means to love. Knowing what it means to be patient. This hope of his calling. We are his glorious inheritance. And then lastly, once this when we understand our identity, we understand that we are his inheritance, when we understand that he's called us to this great hope, we start recognizing his power. Y'all see that in the text? And it says that this power that is, that is working, working towards us. And it says, it says towards those who believe. Y'all see that? This great power is working towards us who believe. What great power? The power that rose Christ from the grave. That great power. And, and he's, he, he had to say, the surpassing great power, which means it is ex, it's, it's exceeding, it's abundant, it's over. If y'all, y'all see it, Paul gets excited about that because he says that again in Ephesians third chapter. says, now unto him who is able, who do exceedingly above understanding that our God's power is greater than the power ever demonstrated here on earth. It's greater. How is it greater? It defeated death. How is it greater? It is high and exalted. How is it greater? Everything is under subjection to Christ, who is the head of the church. The church is his body. We are his saints. We are his. That means this, that everything we do should come under great, a great direction from God. That we should not try to do anything outside of him, but only in him. Because we are part of his body. So what does that mean? That means this, that if I know the hope of his calling, I understand what it means to pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ. When I know the hope of his calling, I understand how I can be a better husband. I can be a better wife. I can be a brother, better brother, a better sister. I can be a better mother, better father. When I understand the hope of his calling, I start realizing that though I don't want to, I must. <laughs> Y'all understand that? Because think about it, how many of us probably woke up this morning, eyes itchy, throat scratchy, but decided anyway, I'm going to make it to church. Realizing my body don't feel like it, but my God is worthy. So I must make the sacrifice. Because as we look around, many of the same people that felt the same way stayed at home. But I guarantee you, if they're going to get paid for showing up. They make it to their jobs. They make it everywhere else. But yet to our God who's given us life, who has given us greatness. Check out what he's given us. He's given us a hope of our calling. He's given us a purpose for living. He's given us our identity. And look, he's given us salvation. What is salvation? It means that we don't know death, but we know life everlasting. There's people out there who are wanting to know what is your life worth. They want to know that am I worth living for? And we want to share with him that your life is worth more than this whole world. How do we know it's worth more than whole world? What Christ say? What a man, profit, gain the whole world by losing his soul. This world, this world is going to be thrown away. This world is garbage. And think about, think about things that are garbage. Are they worth saving? But yet our lives are worth saving. Our lives are precious. Why? Because he's called us for salvation. We know salvation involves that he knows who we are. And we know him. And when we know him, we know how to serve him. And when we know how to serve him, we start realizing his power moving in our lives. So what does that mean? That means this, that as much as the enemy is trying to put against you, as much as his world is against you, greater is he that's with us than he that is against us. Because he has surpassing power. What is surpassing power? It means that power that is beyond measure. That means that our God's power has no limits. So the hope of his calling is this, that when I realize that this life, because some of us probably day after day after having a great day of job, but, the, but nobody appreciates us coming home feeling depressed because we, you worked as hard as you could and you didn't get a pat on the back. Nobody congratulates you. You start thinking, why do I even bother going to my job? But if you sit down long enough and start thinking about how God says, I made you for greater things. Because if we place our value and our identity on our job, we will never be appreciated. Let's be real about it. Have you ever done a job, you did a good job, but somebody else told you it wasn't good enough? If your value is based on your possessions, get robbed, then what are you? So if everything is based on these things that are limited, then we are nothing. But when our hope is built on Christ, who is the solid rock, we start finding out that we are forever identified in him as, as, as precious inheritance able to receive glorious upon glorious upon glorious blessing that's why we get excited that blessed are the peacemakers blessed are those who hunger and thirst we start realizing there's a blessing searching and seeking after god so what is the hope of his calling hope of his calling that you might know him through salvation that you might know your identity in him That you might know you're his precious inheritance, that you are his trophies, that you are holy, that you are a royal priest. So you are a chosen generation for goodness and for glory. And catch this, that you can operate and move in his power. And when you operate and move in his power, you're able to do things you thought you would never be able to do. I want to close with this great illustration that we love so much about our good friend Peter. Y'all remember Peter, right? Peter, Peter, we know him for denying Christ three times and weeping and soaring, but also remember, Peter, that he got out the boat. And think about this, Peter, Peter, because he had hope in Christ, he hoped he could walk on water. He saw Christ doing a thing that was impossible, and he says, well, God, if you can do it, I believe you can make me to do it. And, and catches, catches. everybody else was scared. Everybody else said it was a ghost. They were staying in the storm. But he says, Lord, if you say come, I will come. He said, come. He got out the boat and he was walking on water. Why well, don't encourage us to realize this, that when we understand the hope of our God, he wants us to draw nigh to him. The only way Peter could get close to him, he had to walk on the water. And you know, when he walked on the water, he was walking on the thing that was troubling them because he you knew they were in a storm. They were fighting a storm, but yet because Christ was there, he felt a little bit closer to him, and he says, how can I get closer to you? Beforehand, he said, let peace be still, and the storm saw, so if, as long as I can get close to Jesus, uh, I will be able to make it through this storm. Anybody understand it, that when you place your hope in him, all you got to do is call on him, and he's going to call you forth, and you can make it through the storm. When we know that our hope is in him, we find that everything's going to be all right. The doctor can be wrong. Our economy can be wrong. The president can't be wrong. But our God is always right. He will stay right. He is right. So you see, the hope of our calling is based on him. And we can do things that we thought would never be possible. But with God, as Christ told us, with God, all things are possible. And you know when he said that to them, right? He's talking about salvation. Because they thought the rich were going to be saved. Because they were blessed by God. He's like, no, 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 it's not about the rich. They think they got one thing, but it's going to be easier for a camel to get into the kingdom of God than a rich. Y'all, y'all, y'all sound, he said, y'all think that's impossible, huh? but with man it's impossible. with God, all things are possible. How are all things possible? Because we know the greatness of the surpassing power of God. Do you know the hope of his calling? Every you're here, bow your eyes closed. Lord, we come to you right now with God, surrendering to your hope of your calling. Trusting you, Almighty God, to be our all in all. Father, we realize, Lord, that we are your chosen people. All who call the name of the Lord, you called us to be holy, you called us to be set apart and live a life that's pleasing unto you. Father, Lord, we, we minister we want to minister to your glory and to your honor. Help us, O oh God, in every aspect of our lives to honor you, to walk in obedience, to walk in submission, to walk in humility that you might receive all the glory and all the honor, and that we might continue to grow and know more and more about you, we pray. Amen.